Ah, and just like that, I believe you can all hear me. The, the sound is making its way into your ears. Is, images are making their way into your eyes. Uh, we're here for Rail Matter. Everyone, good evening. Um, it's going to be, I think this might end up being a bit of a short one, you know, um, which is fine. That's okay. Um, it might mean that we get to squeeze in a, a bonus uh, some bonus Patreon stream content afterwards if we get this one done tight. So let's see. But whenever I say that, it ends up going very long. So let's do this. What might and should UK Labour's nationalised railway look like? That's tonight's episode. Um, uh, Louise Haig, who's who's brilliant. I think she's very good. I think Labour actually have quite a good um, shadow transport team, uh, as well as the, the kind of the policy people supporting it. Um Oh, a very good point, actually. Uh, where, where's my... Oh, I can't find my, my, my lit lanyard because, yeah, yes, it's worth saying. Um, solidarity to everyone on strike today. Absolutely. Um, solidarity to all of those who are on strike today. It's, um, uh, again, it's, it's not quite a full national strike, but it's a substantial uh, volume of people on strike today. Um, it's it's strike week. We've got there are more strikes planned as well. Um, go back to uh, go back to last week's episode um, to, to to see a bit more about that. Uh, we talked about strikes and then before as well. Um, uh, I'm not on strike. No, uh, the TSSA uh, the TSSA is my union and I, I, it, consultancies. We just I, I, yeah, it's not we're not we're. I, I would love to 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 rally for strikes, but there's no. We haven't got a grievance, and strike rules are very. They can't bring the whole union out because uh, union laws are hard. Uh, UCU are taking their sweet time about it. So, oh right, let's uh, let's, let's go on with things. Um, we are talking about <laughs> Labour's plans, which uh, do they or do they not? Possibly yes, possibly no. Um, uh, factor in, um, are we going to... I'm waffling because I, I've just lost my train of thought following the chat. Uh, it's good that I have the chat, isn't it? It, may, it creates a very succinct podcast. Anyway, um, are we going to be bringing bring back British Rail? That, that's the ultimate question that hopefully we will answer in tonight's episode with, um, frankly, more scant information than I was hoping for by this point because the information that Labour are giving away about what they're going to do is pretty thin on the ground. But we shall do our best. Uh, all of you chip in with your thoughts as well. If there are any Labour people watching this... Um, do dive in and, and, and have your say. Um, I would say it's Chatham House rule, but it's obviously not. This is public and gets recorded for all posterity. Um, anyway, right, let us continue. Everyone, welcome to tonight's Rail Matter. City 225 fades away. We're going to start with the COVID stats. Oh, God, where have I buried the... I've completely buried my Wacom. It's coming. It's, it's here. It's here. I've got it. I've got it. Right. Um, here we go. So, uh, the COVID stats. Uh, so, the ridership stats. Let's have a quick look. Uh, there, there's some interesting things going on. You can see uh, here's uh, Queen, the, the Queen's funeral uh, drop uh, in... in in buses and in cars, which is quite interesting. Um, not in rail, though, uh, because the railways ended up doing a lot of stuff. Um, but you can see there's, there's there's a bit of a... There is a general downwards trend for rail, but I don't think it's a linear thing, and I'll show you why I mean that. 
if you look here, yes, there, there are lots of other factors. There's, there's a growth element in here, but there is a sort of a general trend, which I think is seasonal. So we see that surge in, in, in sort of uh, holiday ridership through the summer peak, and then we see this drop into winter. So I think that's the... Um, that's that's the general that's the general trend we're looking at. So um, uh, Deirdre is here. Uh, hello, uh, Detour is in the YouTube chat. Um, uh, Deirdre, we need you on soon. Actually, we need to have you on about a subject of, of your of your of your own desire and, and making. Any anything you like want to talk about? Come on, join us. But um, overdue. Anyway, um, so that's my general feeling of the, the trouble is as as I hope. Uh, detour might point out this is such a multi i mean it's such a multivariate trend this is not a trend based on a few simple variables this is this is this is a measure of, of a process or, or a, of a of a data set that's so complex so varied that it's just not um we're not gonna uh it's it's putting trend lines onto this is daft but i think there is a a general thrust that's happening seasonally so that's that's that uh, the strikes have various sort of uh, effects so for example you can see the, the, the in fact this 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 is the the big the big strike was this one uh, big drop in, in real usage um this is another this was another strike this is another series of strikes so they're having quite substantial um hits to ridership um but you'll see that it recovers pretty rapidly so if, if, if there is this kind of a, a broad trend, the strikes don't seem to be impacting it long term. But there is a general malaise in the industry at this point that could be accounted for the tail off as well as some of the other stuff. So um, um, Zandovich thought the mode usage as percentage change against previous year. Yes, but remember that the industry is relying on a, it's had a behavioral change with uh, with an increased amount of ridership that's that's um, transient rather than fixed annually so you would see trend you will see trends emerging such as seasonality of ridership based on if you have an increase in the number of 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 um of annoying generic term leisure passengers but that will result in an emergence here um uh pete johnson is saying uh, we need to know what pre-covid 100 means uh, pre-covid 100 is not seasonally it is seasonally compensated so this is this is based these numbers are measured against the same day in pre-covid times so there is a level of um of 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 muddle and, and, and ill balance um because things change and blah 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 but generally it's not an unreasonable measure of, of the differences uh, we're going to be seeing um we're already kind of at, i mean we should basically assume that we're going to be at pre-covid levels on average, across the, the country, we have seen changes in pattern, but none of these are new. They've all been embedded, but we all know this stuff. So let us continue. Let me also put a lid on my peppers, which I'm going to eat uh, after rail matter. There we are. Um, let's get on with the news. Uh, first of all, the Dal. It's a, it's a quick. It's going to be quick news. Don't worry. I've not done a million things. I've just done a few. Um, the Dalwini report. The Dalwini report. Should I say from um, the what is quite a scary uh, wrong side failure resulting in a double derailment which really worries me we'll, we'll pick into it it'll be a, a single episode report we're going to do uh, we're going to look at this soon we're going to do a page turn this report because there's there's much for us to pay attention to talk about signaling and wrong side failures and some good stuff so we're definitely going to do a page turn of that we'll talk about more but but suffice to say pretty scary uh recurrence of clapham junction you know clapham rail disaster type uh, failures so very worrying um manchester has gone yellow more uh, this is exciting. I like this. I, I like the TFGM 
vibes. It's nice. It's it's good stuff. They've got buses. They've got vans. Uh, they've got they're, they're going to slightly re-yellowify the uh, MetroLink, uh, which obviously isn't a metro. Everyone we know that uh, the cycle hire. This is nice. Uh, so you know, bikes and trams and uh, buses and and more buses. Uh, this is good, uh, and this has been enabled. Okay, the the, the French bus franchising. I'd prefer if it was totally in house because franchising still is franchising, but it's a step in the right direction. Where the, um, you know, Manchester's going to fully control its own ish, uh, its own buses, and indeed, it's being buying its its own buses. This is good. Um, so we're seeing this. This is positive, and we should be seeing more of this. And we should also be seeing, as as we've talked about in a, in, an, uh, in in a, a past relevant episode, we should be seeing more of. Uh, Manchester taking its suburban rail network under this uh, branding as well. But anyway, so there we go. This is this is good stuff. Um, so kudos to the to the team. Uh, it's very disappointing that they've got rid of their clean air zone. That's uh, very annoying. But um, you know, d- d- incremental, unfortunately, is is the name of the game. We're, Britain's not good at anything radical. Um, right. So this was interesting. This came off of all the. I've thinned out the news from all the disaster that is Britain is collapsing uh, entirely in on itself. What's Potentially interesting to pull out of that was this list of rail projects that was that was kind of scheduled for. Um, it was like accelerate these, though we're not going to give you any extra money, and we're not going to give any any guarantee that they are actually going to be progressed. So this is interesting to pick out, though. So top of the list was uh, Cambridge South Station, lovely. Uh, the Northumberland line, well, okay, we'll see. Uh, these two lead stations uh, that have been in and again out again for a very long time, generically Trans Pennine route upgrade. Um, okay, we'll get to that momentarily, folks. Uh, East-West Rail, so that's, again, which which bit? Oh, don't, don't know. Uh, lead Station Enhancement, okay. Uh, Manchester Improvements, what Manchester Improvements? Um, middle of Main Line Phase 3, okay. I presume that's electrification up to... What is that going to be? What is that actually key state? Is that key output 3 that they actually mean by that? I, 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 again... I'm deliberately ambiguous. And then Northern Powerhouse Rail, again, what do they mean by that? Do, well, do they mean just the IRP version? Uh, well, as we're about to find out, no, they don't. So, um, a bit of a hodgepodge. Of course, this is no replacement for the uh, the RNEP, which is still missing in action. The Rail Network Enhancements Pipeline, uh, still not published. So this, in, in a way, this is the most complete list of projects that the government is working on that has been published for uh, nearly three years isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? David Thompson uh, is saying that is Sheffield Nottingham electrification. Okay, so this is this is um, MML E to Chef and uh, Nottingham. Okay, interesting. Um, it's reassuring. Hmm. Anyway, uh, not not great. So that's that. But what else is going on? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's. So from that, this is this. I've I've ill. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna alter the order of the news. Let me just alter the order of the news. This was a, this was an oversight on my part. Uh, fine. We're going to. I should have put this one further down. No, that's fine. We're gonna bear that in mind. We're gonna keep this in our minds as we go forward because I've I've ill ordered the news. But that's fine. So. Um, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, oh, yeah. Hyperloop, which absolutely refuses to die. So but I keep reaching a point, you know, new, you know, original Hyperloop companies, you know, this made up nonsense that, that, that they stole off Swiss Metro and, and, and Swiss Metro in turn had stolen it off other people. Um, cont- companies are continuing to, to die off. The original companies, like Virgin Hyperloop 1 is gone. It's gone. They just collapsed in on themselves. Um, uh, 
uh, what's the other one? Hyperloop Transportation Technologies has uh, had its planning permission revoked by the French authorities and is going nowhere. But uh, new ones keep popping up. So we had the Canadian one the other day that was making up nonsense about what they're going to deliver. Now we've got Tum Hyperloop, uh, hilariously named, Tum Tum, um, building for, what was it, like uh, some number of million euros, uh, building a 24-metre test tube. I don't know how you can put a test tube... That's enough to roll it from one end to the other. Are they going to angle it up at one end and roll it down? Anyway, um, but a bunch of Bavarian uh, German ministers and, and people got involved in this. Um, and yes, as, as Will, hello Will, uh, pointed out that um, Hyperloop was being muttered about um, at Innertrans. Well, we'll get to that because, okay, here's them digging a hole in a car park for this this thing, question mark. Um, but also there's this thing, Magrail which is a Polish company make, that, that are doing Hyperloop. But almost what's even funnier, so Hyperloop is it's table sticks that Hyperloop is, is made up bollocks. But what's funnier than Hyperloop, I'm wobbly, I'm weaving, you know what, should I get my little face up at the corner even though it's the news? Uh, let's get my small face. Hello everyone, I'm here. Um, with, like, this Hyperloop made up, nonsense, right? Absolute gibberish. But what's even funnier is that they're, they then seem to be suggesting that, that as some transitory technology they can use existing rail networks your existing tracks to to get speed by adapting the existing rail infrastructure we can enable travel up to 342 miles an hour no you can't you know you cannot do that that, that you've made that up that there is no you can't no you can't do that what's funny is that then uh, bless him the bold twitter account of said technology nevomo doing their mag rail um decided to play with fire and engage me on Twitter about this. So I I, I, I think I said something like, uh, forgive me, this is bullshit. And they, you know, in, with, with, with some receipts, and they came in saying, um, you're forgiven, let's talk in a years. In a couple of years, by the way, which I immediately bookmarked, let's see what happens in a couple of years, which is this company will either not exist or will have done nothing. Um, uh, and uh, and then they obviously then, then put shade on me, saying with the real burns, um, we have enough big railway companies joining MagRail development. Why? Because they're grifters. Uh, no, sorry. Why? Because they have real experts uh, to, to evaluate the potential of our technologies. Oh, they don't. They haven't been briefed. They don't know. They have not. Um, they have not been informed of uh, my long term battles with this rubbish. Clearly. So anyway, that's that's nice. But um, yeah, it's, this stuff refuses to die. But we can have a little we can have a little laugh at their expense, can't we? Oh, uh, bigger bigger news is an interesting piece of research from Transport Environment, uh, Transport Environment, um, a little little kind of um, campaign group. I don't know, you might be more than a campaign group. I'm sorry if I've misrepresented you folks. Um, I can't remember, but they have a they do good Twittery stuff and they do good news articles with some interesting data. Um, making up the fact that trucks and buses make up just two percent of vehicles, but are responsible for twenty eight percent of road transport CO two emissions. Um, so this is the the fact that we have a, a, a very short de- a very short period of time, less than a decade, before we need to be selling the last diesel and petrol engined HGVs. Uh, twenty thirty five is when this needs to stop, uh, and this is this is if we're going to be getting them off the road by twenty fifty. So this is looking at the natural renewal cycle of these vehicles. Um, so and it's also pointing out the fact that HGVs represent only two percent of the of the road fleet, but represent a disproportionate nearly thirty percent of the of the emissions. Um, so yes, this is, yeah, and also it's looking at the fact that uh, 
you know, there's a f expected to be an, an, an almost a 50% increase in HGV activity by 2050. So that's not good. Um, so this is this. No one is looking at, at doing proper HGV electrification. There's, no, there's the, the there's the electrified motorway thing that's that's fizzled out, and I've not heard anything more about it. Though hopefully that's well, fine, whatever. But there's no one's really talking about actually electrifying HGVs. There's no real effort talking about it. It's just not. There's no one's countenancing it because you just can't achieve it with with batteries. So, uh, yikes. What else have we got in the news? Ah, yes. So of course, um. Uh, Rob Parsons and everyone at the Northern Agenda scooped this, that, that Liz Truss was going to U-turn about, about delivering Northern Powerhouse Rail. Well, she's only gone and continued to repeat this made-up nonsense. Uh, oh, you'll notice that my, my um, Chiron for this is Transpanna route upgrade cancelled again. I'll explain why. So let's listen to exactly what Liz Truss says, shall we? You've said you will deliver Northern Powerhouse Rail in full. Does that mean a full new line all the way from Liverpool to Hull with a stop in Bradford? It does. Uh, and when will you deliver that? We will set out the timetable in due course. Okay, but there will be a brand new electric line. With there a will be, Bradford. and it will stop at Bradford. I'm very clear about that. So, I mean, it, she, she can promise what she likes. She's, she doesn't care. She's just saying it to kind of as a little like bone to throw. So that's not the interesting part about this, right? The, the interesting part, as I said last time, is that, that clearly the IRP is, is toast. Um, but what's funny about that is that the, the, the only good thing about the integrated rail plan was that it did put £96 billion on the, on the table, which is like the equivalent of putting £70 billion on the table now because of the pounds worth jack. But the IRP did put £96 billion on the table. Nah. Government policy now means that if the integrated rail plan is toast, that £96 billion is no longer on the table. What's more, Transpanel Route Upgrade has got, has got its 9 to £12 billion quids worth of penny on the back of a downgraded Northern Paris, Northern Paris Rail. Northern Paris Rail being the stupid George Osborne term for a new high-speed line between Liverpool, Manchester, uh, Bradford, Leeds, and beyond. So this new Transpennine high-speed line, if, that, if, if NPR is, being back, is back on the table, it means that TRU's 12 billion is off the table again, which means that TRU, which has only just kind of got an idea of its scope and got all snazzy and changed its logo, is now right back at risk again and will be pulled right back away from the brink of starting to deliver designs so that they can change their minds on it again. So the net consequence of this announcement is actually that they've cancelled TRU again. That's what this announcement means, which is not great. Um, so, yeah, not, that's not very good. Right, anyway, enough of this. Let's talk about Labour and Labour's proposals. And we're going to pick out, well, there are a few sources. Firstly, uh, Louise Haig's speech. Um, a few little bits between the lines of what other people have said, but mostly the speech. But also Tan Desi. Um, Tan, uh, sorry you cancelled tomorrow night's event. I'm sorry to be missing you. Uh, but okay, uh, it'll be good to catch you soon, I hope. Um, so Tamanjeet uh, Singh Desi has written a piece in Modern Railways that's worth a little read. Not hugely enlightening about what the proposals are, but it was pre conference so it was never going to announce anything interesting but also but there's some interesting like the tagline that, that tan has done and i've seen this coming up in a few labor places about rail is affordable accessible green as the sort of theme that's bold statement let's see how that kind of um uh let's see how, how that kind of um continues through um also the actual conference speech text is available to read. I'd recommend going back and having a look through this. And I've pulled out the only things that it actually promises into, like, meaningful things it promises into into some slides, of which there are, like, three. Um, there's no, not to do Louise down, but there's 
they could have been more specific about the promise. And, and this is a bit of a theme here, is that what's actually planned is very wishy-washy. Um, Michael C., we'll get to... Don't worry, don't go and cancel your tickets for tomorrow night's event, by the way, because we've got, we've got new people. Um, and may, they may not be politicians, but it is going to be spicy. Um, let uh, Wait for the end where I'm going to tell you exactly who's going to be coming um, and plug it hard. And anyone who's not bought tickets should absolutely come to Politics and Real um, tomorrow night in, at the Rio offices in London. Anyway, I digress. Fine. So let's drop in here. Uh, this is relevant to Liz Truss's piece a minute ago. Um, Labour are still using the... Labour are still using the crossrail of the North Line, which winds me up. Oh, let's shall I change the thing size? Uh, oh, but, but, but pointer options. I want to go color, and I want I want the pen to be white. There we are. They're still saying this 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 um this crossrail crossrail uh, for the North. Uh, uh, there we are. Without an R, there we are. Crossrail for the North, which is. Oh. So this is interesting because they've added this and which I don't know whether this is deliberate, but maybe this is because some of what I've been saying is cutting through uh, in the sense that building Northern Powers Rail, fine, uh, will enable there to be a a suburban network uh, across the Northern Pennines. So that's actually makes some sense. Was it was this was this an error or was this correct? But anyway, clearly Labour have got an ambition on infrastructure from an infrastructure perspective they've got an ambition to kind of take us back to the point where we're building a, a high speed network for the, for the UK that for GB sorry so that's kind of good um fine uh, yes rail uh, it's worth saying UK labor do not have a good track record on rail at all uh, just to put this out there they, they really don't labor were did did, did did mostly hopeless through the through the the new labor years on rail they were that best agnostic about the whole system um, and, and actually, some of their active policy decisions were to make things worse, to deny cities more control over transport. Uh, the general thrust of centralisation was bad. So New Labour were generally bad news for transport in um, uh, in Britain. They can change this, though. They can change this. So uh, what other things? Well, there's some bus stuff here. Uh, and th but this is also relevant. The reason I put this in is because, yes, it's bus, and I know we're talking about nationalised rail. But the key point to pull out here is where I'm reading is this helps... This helps um, give an idea of what, what Labour's aspirations are, are hopefully and likely going to be. Um, this isn't a part of political broadcast, by the way. This, isn't, this, is, this is me not... I'm not tearing Labour down. I'm also not saying... I mean, everyone should basically vote Labour at the next general election. I don't consider that outright because we need to make sure that we are giving... getting rid of the Tories. So, fine. Good. But... Um, so this isn't a part of political broadcast. I'm, I, and I'm also not... I've got... I have some contact with the... With, with Labour behind the scenes on some of this stuff. But I actually don't... Re I'm not really privy to any particular detail on, on what their hopes are. I do I do have some of the information about what the previous manifesto was built on. Um, I helped write some of it. And um, and also some of the general... Uh, and some of that has clearly been carried forward because largely that manifesto commitment appears to be largely intact. So so so, so fine. So I'm pulling out of this bits and pieces, these, these bits and pieces. But this bit's relevant on buses. Um, we will give those communities that want... Oh, did I actually read the last bit for the benefit of the... the oh, yeah, I did read it. Fine. I'm going to read this bit on buses uh, for the benefit of the audio-only people. We will give those communities that want it the power to set bus routes and fares following the path set by our brilliant mayors in Manchester, Yorkshire, uh, West Yorkshire, and here in Liverpool City region. Fine. Uh, and we will end the ideological ban on communities establishing their own municipal bus companies. This is important because it, it kind of... Um, this is the important thing about nationalisation that I, I really feel like Labour should be pushing harder on, is that this hints as to what they kind of mean by the, 
the, the nationalisation thing. And some of the other lines that were gen- a bit generic in the speech, but hi- again, hinted at this. Uh, so it's why it's worth going back and reading the speech. Um, hint at the fact that uh, talk about democratic control and talk about accountability and kind of this stuff. And, and this will help to, to kind of... Um, uh, yes, uh, I'm kind of hinting at the uh, those hints about what they mean by nationalisation, which we'll get to. And, and uh, the, the big the big hit one, which is Labour in power will bring our railways back into public ownership as contracts expire. So that is clearly this is just talking about train operating companies, right? Um, so fine, okay, good. Uh, we'll 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 get to that. We'll have a look at what that actually means in terms of industry structure. So fine, I, I know that we have talked already in Rail Matter about. Uh, what structure I think British Railways should have, um, and, and this is a format that we've we've done it since on, on other things as well. But the, we've talked a bit about structure, and I stand by my general thoughts on this. So you know, we should, in, in terms of train operating companies, uh, we don't need to have loads that the that the, the, the public don't need to see lots of them, but we do need to have more more central, more not centralized, the opposite of that, more devolved power of over 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 transport. It's critical, and that's a thesis. So let's dive it. That's a thesis I've explored in Rail Matter a lot uh, with John Stone and ourselves in other episodes. We've kind of explored that, and we looked at what branding that Bridge Railway should have as well as kind of part of that theme. So let's jump back to the the William Shapps plan for rail, shall we? Um, Gareth Williams is just shouting swallow uh, repeatedly. Yes, I, I know you like swallow delivery, Gareth. That's fine. Um, we're going to talk about the whole industry structure and sort of have a think about what the influence is. Uh, a reminder that this... So the fact that, that Shaps put his name on this means that GBR is all but dead. Like, it's it'll be dead in all but name. They'll maybe keep the name going as, as a sort of a safe face branding exercise. Um, but as we'll find out tomorrow night, which tomorrow night is Chapman has rule, it is is but uh, I think there are sufficient things in there that I'll, I'll be able to sort of paraphrase or relay based on the gut feeling of the fact that we have Andrew Haynes coming tomorrow night. And I'm going to be uh, interviewing on a panel with, but hosting and interviewing Andrew Haynes. So that's going to be interesting. Anyway, um, more on that at the end of the episode. So we're going to dive into the first of all, we're going to laugh at the map for of industry structure within the William Shapps plan for rail. So look at the GBR report. So firstly, this is the the inverted commas current industry rail structure. Uh, it's always funny that they put the the Roscoe's down here in in its separate little cross sector bit. Um, why is that funny? Well, it's funny because in the original Shapps report that preceded the glossy one, um, they weren't. They were more obviously a part of the overall structure. Uh, but they pulled it out into generic cross-sector stuff here, which uh, makes me laugh and, and is, is very funny for, for obvious reasons that the, the main money-making bit of the rail industry is the Roscoe's. Um, uh, agreed on the fact that it's BR2, yes. Anyway, oh, lots of uh, lots of chat going on. Um, so, current industry structure, fine, fine, fine. So, this is the apparent current industry structure according to William Schatz, which was that you have... Uh, kind of the DFT up here um, with um, with an industry funding facility and the franchising authority here. You've got um, uh, you've got this core here of network rail manages the infrastructure, publicly owned. Um, you've got kind of public devolved authorities. Uh, you've got a load of arrows all over the place with like regional partners, uh, kind of here and transport focus and ORR here, and then and a lot of other cross sector stuff here as well. Blah 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 blah. You also have the the freight operating companies. Um, for for freight, you have the open access operating companies that that run a few of the train operators, um, and then you have the uh, Scotrail and uh, TFW 
rail here within the devolved train operating companies and then you have the dft franchise train operating companies um so this kind of if, if you like this is the bit that a lot of people are thinking of when they talk about nationalization they're kind of talking about these right and labor certainly is because obviously labor's line about nationalization doesn't really make any sense um actually let's see the specific wording bring the railways back into yeah so really this should have said uh louise should have said not railways but uh bring our uh train services back into public ownership because that would have been more accurate because our railways aren't nationalized they're owned by network rail which is a national body um yeah everyone says chatham house rules but this is incorrect it's not multiple rules it's just one rule it's just the chatham house rule uh single rule singular um um Yes, exactly. No attribution, just freedom to discuss. Well, this, yeah, fine, fine, fine. Anyway, so you've got the current industry uh, structure and then the proposed GBR industry structure, which we can totally ignore and pay no attention to because it's not happening. So uh, don't worry about it. So let's have a So this is the current industry structure thing. And it's funny because it was from a this is the original. Um, oh, I need to change me, me mouse color now. This is the original um, uh, kind of Williams. Well, actually, the Williams review uh, diagram. That's then been kind of so it's got the it's got you see the similarities. So you've got the train operating companies here, rolling stock operating companies here, network rail here, but rolling stock operating companies are their own thing, kind of specifically mentioned here, which is which is relevant. Uh, anyway, because obviously that's a that's a big factor in what is going to be proposed. So having got rid of all that, so let's remind ourselves what is currently a public body. And actually, if you if you if if you can re see green, then uh, that stuff is 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 the is the, the national stuff. So I'm going to I'm going to put red around the stuff that is currently uh, nationally owned, uh, including de facto. In fairness, so there's there's kind of a reason there's a green one here. You can see there's a green one here. But anyway, so uh, let's scribble out. So uh, network rail. Uh, that is absolutely a, a, a national bit. Uh, fine. Uh, so that's that's kind of the track. And the infrastructure is is nationally owned. So in terms of assets, what other big? What's the other big asset? The other big asset is uh, the rolling stock. So we've got the, the track. What about the trains? Well, this is very much decidedly not uh, in public ownership. So if I change to uh, if I change my ink color to to blue. Let's go for this, like uh, this blue here. Uh, this blue, uh, this is in. This is very much in in private ownership. Uh, the, the Roscoes are owned by a consortium of banks. Uh, only a couple of instances is their rolling uh, is their rolling stock not kind of privately owned and leased. Um, so there we are. Uh, this one doesn't actually have freight uh, in kind of as a big lump. It's kind of got freight out down on. So freight operators are definitely kind of a, a private thing as well. They're they're absolutely definitely. Uh, a, a kind of a prime thing other than drs drs is not drs is is national i actually uh, should have uh, done that i, I was it'd be nice if there's a quick way for me to change colors but drs as a freight operator is is actually nationalized so strangely so drs definitely should be renamed to ews again and use the, the three beasties because it's such an excellent logo anyway so what else is uh, is nationalized well you've got all these bits down here of like so infrastructure providers hs1 hs2 Interestingly, this is kind of a half and half. So uh, HS2 will be uh, and should be national. However, um, however, however, HS1 is private. It's a it's a private thing. So HS1 is kind of private. So that's that's it's kind of a half and half situation going on for the 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 uh, kind of the the high speed uh, providers. Um, we have got uh, train operators which are so. 
train operating train operators now is kind of um, pretty much yeah DRS was never EWS just to, to unconfuse everyone I'm saying that they should steal the brand back from Deutsche Bahn uh, who I think probably still own the and, and license the logo but I think it'd be good in my in my utopia I would like DRS to become to, to name to name themselves EWS which would confuse everyone and to use the three pieces because I think it was an awesome freight livery and logo um, HS1 is HS1, the infrastructure is maintained by Network Rail. It is not managed by Network Rail. High Speed One Limited, which is a private company, own the infrastructure. And that's why they charge such ridiculous track access charges. Okay? That's really critical to understand. Um, not actually critical to the, to the, particularly critical to the Labour question. Uh, Labour should absolutely terminate that contract, but they, they won't. Um, so. What else we got? Yeah, we got train operators that are again train operators. I'm going to go with a, a kind of a I'm going to I'm going to stripey the, the train operators because yes, they have there's private involvement, so a load of a very limited amount of money disappears off to the um, to the um, uh, to the to the train operators to to, the, to their kind of private bodies, but also they are entirely controlled by the state. So this kind of the train operators are getting a stripey sort of situation. Um, so that's the that's the train operators in there. Uh, the devolved authority train operators are kind of mostly nationalized, except they still have some private. The, the TFW, uh, in fact, no, they're they're now entirely nationalized. Actually, sorry, forgive me. That they they're entirely nationalized. So you can see that there's like there's, there's very much a mixture. We've got we've got this kind of hybrid situation here, um, uh, where you've got uh, the kind of the actual stuff. So in terms of if we want to split it up, there's the the the, the, the track. So, so there's the there's the track. Oh, I should do this in black, shouldn't I? Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go here. Doom. So you've got the track uh, here, uh, and that is uh, that's kind of. Uh, and then you've got the train on top. There's the train on top, and then you've essentially got the the driver inside, uh, who's driving it with with a nice hat. Let's give him a nice driver's hat. Uh, there we go. Um, and in terms of uh, who owns what, we've got um, we have got this bit is nationalised. So this is nationalised. Hooray! Uh, we've got um, this bit is kind of so the driver here is kind of uh, here's the driver. They're kind of like half and half. So yeah, we've got this sort of half and half situation where we kind of half owned them uh, with uh, with the private because of this strange hybrid situation we've got going on now. Uh, there we go. And then the train is, uh, so the train is private. Um, now, is this good? No, it, it isn't, folks. This, this is, is not good. Uh, there are some bits where track is owned by non-network rail, yes, um, uh, in various places. Who owns HS1 Limited? It's a bunch of, I think it's mostly a Canadian pension fund uh, owns it. I realize I've just kind of drawn like a shonky kind of face on my rail down here. Anyway, right, so. What are Labour proposing to do? This is the important question. Um, Labour are proposing to do this. Let's go back to red. So Labour will propose to... So firstly, the, the network rail is already uh, state-owned, so we know that. That's that's not changing. Um, we also know that the kind of the devolved uh, tracks are also nationalised, so that's not changing. So firstly, the rolling stock operating companies, the Roscoe's, that own the trains... There are, I do not believe Labour have any plan to change this. So this will stay as it is. Um, that means a fairly substantial 
stasis in, in, in not changing the industry. Um, my hope, though, my hope is that um, in line with Liverpool and in line with... Uh, actually, who owns TFW's uh, TFW rail fleet? Simon, are you there? Who owns TFW's new rail fleet? My hope is that you might start to see some new trains or some new trains coming in that will be nationally owned uh, and they'll, they'll be a, kind of going into the talks. So, so you'll kind of get this... This flow of, of kind of trains will start moving into the talks, which will eventually kind of one by one, uh, not all at once, but will one by one become state owned, which is which is or state kind of properly state managed, state owned, which you might think, well, they're kind of controlled by the state now. That's ba that's bad, though, because by, by the state, we mean unaccountably the DFT with absolutely no democratic oversight whatsoever. So um, this is where I think Labour should talk up what their proposals are because I believe that Labour absolutely do want to take some of the control of the of the talks. So essentially to sever let's just let's just get rid of my scribbles. So if, if you can imagine we've got we've got the situation where currently you've basically got the, the, the DFT are the ones who have all the control of the of the, 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 the train operators. What Labour are proposing to do is essentially do more of the severing of this and what luck they have with this I don't know. But they're intending to divert a lot more of the control to the subnational transport bodies and then into the talks. So there will be uh, not just the, the, the subnational transport bodies, but also the, the, the combined authorities like Greater Manchester and so on. Um, but my, 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 what I believe the plan within Labour will be is to is will be to take to, to leverage some of that control away from the DFT and put it into some of the subnational transport bodies. Um, uh, Simon is saying that um, TFW Rail think that Beacon Rail have them. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. How much control did the state have over British Rail? Um, a fair amount, a fair amount, but um, much less than they do now. Uh, they have much more control over the railways now than they ever did under British Rail because British Rail was the body that, okay, they didn't have much money slash any money, but they did, the money was just, given to them and they then had the control. And yes, there was Treasury sign off of things and, 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 and so on and the yada yada, but they had much more control. Uh, the main issue we have with our rail network right now is that the government has, or rather DFT and and, and the elected government of the day um, has too much control over a system that is outside of political cycles. And you might think, well, yeah, because they're elected, they have to control the system. That's how democracy works. Yeah, For a rail system where you have so much importance for the local communities, the, the control needs to be happening at, and, and we've talked about this instructor, the control needs to be happening at, at a local authority um, at, at, as a collective, so into the subnational transport bodies and the combined authority level. So subnational transport bodies and combined authorities is where that control should be. So um, the trouble with doing anything about the Roscoe's, um, the trouble with the Roscoe's, so the trouble with why Labour aren't going to touch the Roscoe's, they're not going to do this, is because that rolling stock is very expensive those banks will be very upset if uh, Labour take the rolling stock off them. So whilst there might be a little bit of gentle encouragement for rolling stock to be procured through um, uh, directly, the rolling stock operating companies are not going to be touched. And this is a flaw. It's a problem that needs to be tackled. Because essentially, if your ticket, an enormous amount of money from your ticket goes towards leasing a train that the train operating companies and, uh, and you know, the, 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 the railway operator should as a whole, the railway body should have 
control over. They should have they, they and, and and there are lots. There's lots of great engineering experience within the Roscos. That doesn't disappear. You just transfer it over into the train operating company. Um, just yes. Um, uh, ministry, yeah, as Barry Jones says, Ministry had the power over the money tax, but they didn't micromanage yet. And and again, part of the important thing is that that funding power needs to be devolved away from um, uh, from the DFT towards the subnational transport bodies, uh, away from Treasury towards the subnational transport bodies. I don't see Labour coming up with any proposals about that, none at all. That's also an issue. So there are there are gaps in the plan as a result of that. So the fact that the Roscos remain private is 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 a headache. Let's. Uh, let me go back to my blue because we're going to talk about blue. Um, so the Roscoe's, uh, that's a headache. The, the fact that that's blue is is not good. Um, people might be asking about the open access operators. Um, some people think open access operators are, good, are a good idea. I don't think they're a good idea. I think that they just take valuable revenue away from the rest of the, the system. I, I, they, they, in, a, in, a, in a very busy real network like ours, they, they don't add value. They take they, they extract money away from the rail systems operate as just just like anything within it within a broader country you you want all that money to balance between um you want there to be a balance of, of the money kind of being made by the 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 lot or, or you know the, the, the long distance services that make a lot of money uh, open access operators being some of those need to backfill some of the subsidy high, high subsidy routes so high income routes subsidize the high subsidy you know uh, give money to the high subsidy routes and that allows the system to exist as a whole dry franchising was obviously a, was always a bonkers idea um and um, and so open access operators essentially are skimming high value cash out of the, the revenue stream that should be going into subsidizing other systems. So I'm not a, and I know some people, including uh, Nick, who's going to be on tomorrow night, um, is, is a fan of open access op operators because there's a belief that they drive competition. I don't believe that competition exists in a real set, any real sense on a very busy mo national monopolized network like ours, you know, a geographically monopolized network like ours. Oh, so um, then there's me thoughts on the possible plan, which is just to reiterate, the possible plan is that rolling stock operating companies will remain private. Open access operators will remain as they are. Freight operators will remain as they are. Um, fine. Uh, what else we got? I don't think they're going to touch HS1 much as they should touch HS1. So those are all remaining as um, as private entities. So the idea that it's an entirely nationalized system is, is not accurate and it, it's not reasonable. To, it's it's not it's not a, a thing that you know, it, it's a bit of a misleading pitch, um, but the proposal is that we will see. Uh, obviously, Network Rail is already that's already uh, kind of uh, kind of in state ownership. Fine, uh, lovely. Um, as as are the the kind of the devolved authorities. Even though in this thing they said private entity, but they're not anymore. Um, but we will see eventually. We will see um, a state control and state ownership of the train operators good and that's it <laughs> so at the moment the plans are still not hugely and it's an indication really um uh, it's an indication really that oh by the way and hs2 which should i hope not go off in the way that hs1 does i hope that that will be uh, will will go to network rail and become part of the network rail uh, kind of network part of network rail's infrastructure uh, you know, so so they're not really doing a huge amount. It's radical. Oh, that should have been a, a dashed line. No, I've ruined my amazing system. But the important thing is is about um, the, the important questions are kind of outside of this, which is uh, why have I just drawn an arrow to my own face? Look, there I am. Uh, hello. 
Uh, it's me. No, the, the the important stuff is about funding. It's about it's about kind of where the where the kitty kind of is. Um, so the dollar signs. Uh, who's 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 kind of who's controlling the kitty? Um, and if it's if if Labour's plan, which I believe it is, is to is to enable a more localized control of those train operating companies, that's that is a good thing, and and that's far more radical and important than actually who. Yes, there's, there are clearly benefits to, to reducing overheads of, of bringing train operators in-house. That's, that's a no-brainer. Um, you don't have to faff with all that contract management, all the lawyers that, that deal with the contract management. That's why the idea of keeping them as private entities was always stupid as part of the, the GBR model. Like, no, no, just, just bring them totally in-house. Get rid of all of the lawyers, all the contractual arrangements. That goes. That's good. Because it's just a waste of time and money, and it means things take so long to get resolved. Um, so that is positive. But the, the the control of those is, is really key. So I think, and I believe and I hope that Labour are intending to do, so that's a good thing. They're, they're intending to take that control and put it up to the, the kind of the subnational transport bodies and, and, and the combined authorities as well, which are the sort of city region uh, bodies. So that's a good thing. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, tax plan is the future. So Labour were talking about tax plan um, in the previous under the previous administration within Labour. I'm hoping that that expertise has been retained, although it probably hasn't because Labour have uh, lost all their money and sacked everyone, so uh, including all their advisors. So I'm not sure whether that's actually been retained. But it'd be nice if tax plan kind of had been kind of kept within logic. And, 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 and within the within Louise Haig's speech, there is a discussion, and, and Tan Desi's piece, there is a discussion of, an inter of better integration between bus, tram, train, which again implies more of the of the... Of the sort of sub kind of um, control by people who are not DFT. Bearing in mind that, that GBR is going to essentially this GBR will sort of just be if it exists at all, just sort of be just a, a little branding that'll sit as a sort of a DFT. I was going to say DFT Moon Cup. Uh, no, not not that. <laughs> um, I've got Malcolm Tucker in my head there. That's one of the last things he says in in uh, in thick of it, isn't it? Anyway, um, no, uh, it's this sort of. They will act. I can't get that out of my head now. They're they're going to act as like branding. The the GBR, if it continues to exist, will just act as like branding around DFT. So irrelevant, basically gone. What should they do? What should Labour be doing? Well, they should buy up all the rolling stock of the Roscos and bring those into becoming government, um, becoming a government asset, and ultimately integrate rolling stock with the train operating companies. And um, they should. I still think there there are benefits to track you know, infrastructure people running infrastructure. So I don't think it's necessarily a wonderful idea to totally get rid of network rail. But I think what they should do is um, they should absolutely kind of in terms of what's different to their plan. I think although I'm not hugely fussed by it, I think they should also bring the demise of the open access operators and reintegrate those into the into the whole. I don't think that'll happen. I think the open access operators operators will be left to do their thing. Um, but a, a big one is the Roscos. It's it's dealing with the Ros the rolling stock because that will make such a big difference. Um, you know, you, you'll get to the situation where you can actually opt, particularly when it comes to digital signalling. It's so difficult to do anything with that because you you it's difficult contractually to deal with putting the new stuff into the trains. So a major part of upgrading our network requires us to start buying rolling stock back. So I, 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 the way I would do it is as routes come up for needing ETCS fitment into trains, buy the fleet essentially buy that fleet um other ways you could do it people have mentioned it in the chat actually which is um 
that you reduce the cost of the rolling stock by buying new stock th directly through the tox. That is certainly a mechanism that you could use. Um, but I, I would say that um, you just you just just gobble it up. <laughs> just 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 say that you're taking it over. I don't care what the arrangement is. It'll be, it'll be electorally not so tricky. Politically, within within a politi political world, it will be a battle to to get that to happen. Uh, there'll be a huge amount of lobbying from the banks because they make a lot of money from the Roscoe's. Um, anyway, so that's the kind of key thing is to sort of sort that out. But other than, other than that, um, kind of happy for them to kind of keep keep that as it is. Uh, freight operators, um, to be honest, can sort of stay freight operation can kind of stay private. That kind of is fine so long as we're facilitating uh, space. I'm kind of at peace with that. If they're if they're guests on our network. Absolutely fine. Facilitate more of that. That's fine. I think there should be a single state operator that can do the kind of the, the, the stuff that isn't maybe immediately money making. But so so it'd be good if, if, if DRS was, was kind of really, really boosted, uh, really boost DRS. But actually, you know, I'm fine with with the freight operating structure to stay as it is. And also they should uh, they should claim HS1 limited, claim that back. Get, let's get HS1 limited back. So that's like kind of my ideal plan. So it doesn't necessarily look that different, but it's about the control. Uh, and someone's asked the question, are Labour plans to get rid of DFT? No, 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 no. DFT should, can, and, and, and will still exist. Um, DFT's role, though, should be to set broad stuff like mode share spread, for example, or to enable legislative change to, for, for, for the other bodies to do their thing. But they have so much power because transport stuff ostensibly is easy to, to put cut a ribbon against. That's why they have so much power, because it's easy to do nice press releases about transport stuff. Um, oh, there we are. So that was a kind of, I, I know that wasn't maybe the detail that you're hoping for, but the reality is there isn't much detail. But I, I think the key thing within Labour's plans is, okay, fine, they're going to bring the contracts in to the train operating companies. That's not a big deal. I think it's a good thing. Fine, it's kind of fine. The key thing is what they do about control and, and where the control lies. And if they retain control, which I don't think they're going to do, but if they do retain all the control within DFT, big problem. If they try and do a bit of a GBR situation, well, it kind of depends how that, that works out. My, my view is that generally with collaborative with collaborative working, you don't need GBR. Uh, do the branding stuff, fine, but you don't need GBR, and the ticketing and all that stuff, fine. So set the structure through GBR for all, for all that kind of back-of-house stuff and, and the, the branding. But in terms of the actual structure of the organisation, I think you can still have a network rail type organisation and train operating units, whatever they're going to be called, um, but have those the train operating units being essentially part of the, the, the subnational transport bodies. Uh, the important question is whether Labour will call it British Rail. I don't think they will. I think they'll keep the Great British Railways because they're doing the whole GBR. Thanks, Sir uh, Jamie P. It's a, a good question. I think they're going to they're going to keep the the GB but, but, uh, kind of the the Union flags snogging and all that good stuff. Uh, if it means we get a socialist government, then fine. They they can or a democratic. So if we, if we get like a mildly socially democratic party then fine fine um, I, I can do all i can deal with all the anthems singing and stuff if if the consequences are that we get that government in and, and can do some good stuff so that's that's fine um but it should be br obviously great the great and the um the 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 ways basically it should be british rail because all the other bits are redundant you know the, the, the great british railways is making a much longer name much shorter what about infrastructure maintenance well infrastructure maintenance is Maintenance is very specifically nationalised as part of Network Rail, but they're de facto 
the, the thing that the, where the line is drawn between renewals and maintenance, de facto, a lot of those contractors that do what you would say is heavy maintenance and renewal are, are, are you know, the, the throughout contractors, uh, you know, the, the, the Murphys, the uh, Osbournes, the, all of those kind of bodies of the world. Um, those are not going to get nationalised anytime soon um, because that's just such an enormous alteration to the construction industry. But we might see more in. I would hope we'd see more in housing of um, of some of the contracts that have been slipping away again. But absolutely, we need to see a reduction in this this drive for network rail to be far leaner and, and become a less intelligent client and get others to do all of its clienting tasks. Because that way, ruin lies. That's how projects get really expensive. The cheapest infrastructure projects that network rail has delivered in terms of new kind of major infrastructure investment, um, Airdrie, Bathgate, and Borders, were because the client was a well informed and well staffed client. If you thin out the client to make it, it kind of a dumb client and you rely on people like me you're the, the, the consultants to come in and provide that client knowledge everything gets very expensive and it slows down because everything is contractual you have contra contract tennis and it just delays things I, I could go on about projects i've worked on that are just delayed because of contract tennis like that stuff doesn't need to exist it shouldn't exist all that delay is very frustrating anyway um oh Crossrail is a good example of a yeah that Crossrail is operated by Hong Kong Railways. Crossrail should just be a TFL. TFL should just run it as its own thing. But you know whatever. Anyway, all of the million people watching, hello to all of you. Lovely to to have you. Uh, I'm gonna get rid of my little face because um, it's time for us to um, to say thanks to all the audio only people. Hello, I think audio is up to date. Um, uh, so. That's that's good. Uh, so thanks to everyone who listened. Uh, so many people have been listening to Justin's episode uh, from a few weeks back. So um, I'm glad you've been all enjoying that. About two thousand of you been, uh, have listened to that in in podcast form. Uh, two and a half thousand uh, maybe. Uh, so that clearly is getting popular through through various platforms. Um, great, happy days. Um, Patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis for more of this. Um, Patreon, I haven't done much Patreon only content recently. Uh, sorry about that. I will re reverse that process. Um, it's been a bit of a hectic one. Um, but I am planning to do a bit more Patreon stuff. Um, th things are afoot for next year in a variety of ways as well. So let's see, let's see. Um, PayPal.me slash Gareth Dennis to throw abuse and notes and uh, the occasional bit of loose change. Thanks to those people who do um, at me. And uh, Gareth Dennis.co.uk slash Discord for the Discord server where all this chat that's happening in the side here, all this lovely chat continues unabated. Um, you're all lovely in the Discord server, by the way. By the way. Thank you. Uh, Right, it's the, this week is Rail Week. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the. As with every Rail Week episode, pick up fewer viewers uh, than all the others. Ra they're interesting episodes, particularly the last one. We were in a thirty-eight stock. It's fun. Um, it's Rail Week right now. The, uh, as we you know went through last time, um, uh, last week's episode, lovely. Uh, go watch that if you're uh, keen to look at a, a genuinely interesting discussion about all sorts of things. Go go find that. But who do we have for um, tomorrow night? Where I am hosting. Uh, I am hosting. Uh, Rhea, uh, I'm hosting YRP's very prestigious politics in rail um, debate. I would love to host it again next year. Uh, I'd, if I could become a permanent host, that'd be tremendous fun. Let's see if that works uh, and sticks. But very interestingly, also we're waiting to hear back from Hendy. If we got Hendy, that would be very funny. I'm, I, I don't think I'm just going to do a, a hot off the press check to see if anything new um, has come through. Uh, lovely. Um, no updates. Good. Yes. Uh, no, no updates to speaker lineup, so that's good. Um, what I can say is we have got Andrew Haynes. 
the boss of, or or sort of one of the two bosses, depending on how you frame things, the chief exec of, of Network Rail, also the um, the boss of GBRTT, the chairing GBRTT, I believe is his role, specific role. Christine Quigley is, is joining. Um, I hope, Christine, I pronounced your last name correctly. I believe it's Quigley. Uh, anyway, Christine is joining us. Um, Christine, expert across uh, across uh, kind of the, the political field, but with specialisms within the sort of thing we'd like to talk about within railways. And Steve White, uh, who is um, a rail boss of a, one of the train operating companies, South Southeastern, in fact. Um, so Steve is joining us as well. And it's a panel. Uh, it's not going to be published live. No, you have to just come to it to, to view it. So it's not a publicly public, because it's Chatham House rule, which means um, they get to be a bit more frank. Uh, about what they say and we can't quote them specifically on it i have to be broad but it should be a very interesting insightful discussion i have some interesting discussion points that i'll go through there um uh such as gbr is doomed what next uh, it's i'd thought of that when previously it was going to be tandesi and now oh nick kingsley's going to be here nick is joining us as well nick of of um rail Gazette international um so that'll be useful to have nick along uh, yes, having Andrew Haynes there is going to be fun because he's, he's will have read the discussion and has read my discussion points. My first of which is GBR is dead. What's going to happen now? Uh, so be interested to see what Andrew says to that. Um, I won't be talking about strikes, not because I, I don't think it's important to talk about it, but because I know that none of that almost nobody in the panel will be able to say anything useful or interesting because they'll be banned. So there's no point having that discussion in there. It's not the right forum for it. Um, so we will be talking about the future. We'll be talking about rolling programs. We'll be talking about. Um, management by competition we'll be talking about uh, some very there's some very interesting talking points in there um, but absolutely um, go get, pick up the last of the seat. I think there's maybe 10 seats left so go watch that next week we will be talking about because a few of you requested this so Patreon people look I'm paying attention I've been back in the polls thing um, picking up the reason I've not been doing guests for a while is because NDI broke in OBS because OBS updated I can't use do Skype things quite yet so I, I think I've I think I've worked out a workaround but in the meantime we're not gonna have guests we're gonna have um uh another one with me we're gonna do a bit of a, pa a hybrid page turn kind of review of the ORR report into uh why the uh why we have the the cracks in um hit Oh, a picture being sent by a dear, very dear friend of mine of their wee one looking at rail natter. Hello, 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 Dr. DT. Um, uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, what happened when crash grounded the Hitachi UK train fleet? So the AT200, AT300 uh, Hitachi fleet, uh, what actually happened? Uh, what was the specific reason the cracks occurred? How has it been fixed? And, and how far are we from the problem being completely solved? So, yeah, we're talking cracks. Stress cracking, that's it. Stress corrosion cracking. Or is it corrosion stress cracking? I can't remember which way around the acronym is. Anyway, that's next week. Time for big face. Everyone, um, oh, uh, yeah, I've gone for a tighter mustache this time. I, partly because it was uneven and then I shaved it too much one side and I've had to balance it out. So it's a little bit mm, dubious. But anyway, fine. Me with a mustache. Uh, it'll widen out again and it'll return. That should be a fun episode. Uh, Calf ought to read that report too. So, oh, yeah, that's some news that Serco have given up the, the, the Caledonian sleeper contract that's gone back to the Scottish government. That, that's I did see that and didn't add it to the news because... Um, yeah, uh, Graham Harris, SCC, thank you. Uh, stress corrosion cracking, marvellous. Um, it's going to be a cracking episode. Yes, thank you, everyone here. Very good. Thanks, Simon Trains. For, uh, yeah, you did. That was your joke first. True. Um, any questions before I disappear? Uh, no, I don't see any questions. Uh, good. Marvellous. Uh, lovely. Okay, good. Right. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's the wrap. An hour-long episode for once. Oh, my goodness. Everyone, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> cheerio, cheerio.